Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Sociable Beer Company, and The Small Batch Brewing Co. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening Jack from Tartarus Beers, based in Horsforth, West Yorkshire. Launched in 2020, Tartarus are a new nano brewery that specialises in strong and European styles of beer. The brewery and all of the beers are named after myths, legends and folklore. With their love of mythology in mind, Tartarus was born. Jack, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Tartarus. Hi. So, yeah, as I said, I'm uh, Jack. I'm one of the uh, directors in Tartarus Beers. There's only two of us, uh, me and my uh, partner, Jordan. And yeah, so I've been in commercial, commercially brewing for about six years. Right. Around in quite a few of the uh, sort of more prominent uh, craft beer breweries in uh, Yorkshire. Nice. And, of which there um, are many really good ones. So that's a uh, good heritage. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was um, sort of the middle of lockdown. Um, I decided that it's probably about time that I put some of my brewing knowledge to use and uh, I set up as a small nano brewery running well, out maybe, of my basement. Maybe put it to use for your own benefit rather than somebody else's, perhaps would be one way to put it. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, and uh, sort of uh, flex a uh, creative bone that I oh, think I yeah. uh, hadn't uh, really uh, been using. You know, it was um, fine brewing other people's beers, but, uh, you know, there's always that sort of side of you which goes, they won't let us brew that beer. <laughs> I would brew that beer. You've got one arm tied behind your back at all times, haven't you, I guess, with uh, if, if you brewed to somebody else's brew schedule and recipes. Yeah, so and starting on 100 litres, it was really uh, easy just to really go absolutely mental with <laughs> the styles that we do. You know, you've got a very limited amount you can sell, so you don't mm. have to find a ridiculously large audience. No. And, uh, yeah, it all just sort of spanned from there. You know, we uh, did expand recently, started Cuckoo Brewing, which yep. has been interesting to say the least okay um <laughs> everybody you know, um, that, that i've spoken to um and there hasn't been many it's pro- I've probably had half a dozen cuckoo brewing guests on the podcast so far and they've all told me some variation of that sentence which is you know it's it gives you the opportunity but it brings many challenges with it as well and it's far from ideal but ne- the, the net net is it's still better than your 100 litre kit in the basement i'm sure but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean on 100 litres you just you know uh, to be able to sell your beer at a reasonable price and make a living almost doesn't really go hand in hand. No, I don't see how it can really, no. You know, the the, the margins are so small that, you know, you produce 100 litre batch for almost no real return. So at some point you've got to get bigger. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what we did and we are hopefully going to be moving again. We've been working in a very trad place. Um, right. You know, it's more focused towards cask beer, and uh, okay. that is mm-hmm. definitely not what we do. <laughs> Indeed, not. No. <laughs> yeah, this place is designed for you know four percent uh, bitters and your sort of English, you know, pale ales and that kind of thing. And so to um, say that isn't Tartarus, no. <laughs> no, not really. We're very much, very much heavier 
Yeah. Although saying that, we have just canned our most sessionable beer oh, to date. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, it, it's not exactly. It's almost normal. Okay. Yeah, what? and I don't, well, I don't think you're ever going to do a normal beer. I think that you know anybody that's that's had some of your beers already will will know that you know what you just said a, a few minutes ago about you know brewing on a hundred liter kit, and then you could go absolutely crazy at all times. I don't think you've mellowed at all. Um, you know, even moving to the bigger kit, you're still brewing <laughs> crazy beers at every turn, which is I think is probably why people love you. So uh, don't stop that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, it's a, it's a crazy journey, and uh, we're hopefully just getting started although uh, there's been a lot of brewery closures and uh, it's not you know and it's not filling us with a lot of hope no it's you, know, you need to gonna, it's, it's gonna have to harder. tread carefully i think in the next the next 12 months unfortunately i mean hopefully you you know you've established a great reputation already and so you know i think there's a, perhaps quite a lot of goodwill out there towards what you're doing but you've got to i think you've got to just step with care over the next the next year or so maybe don't get too big too quick and uh, then you'll be in, in good shape to to ride the the good times when they return yeah well we've we've, uh, we've been putting a preliminary game plan in place um i'm gonna say i am not the best planner okay <laughs> cool <laughs> This is this is one of the reasons that it was um, when we had the chance for Jordan to come on. So Jordan time. does the spreadsheets, does she? <laughs> I do have my spreadsheets, but Jordan does a lot of the planning. We sit down, and, uh, sort of, it sort of keeps me straight. Um, we sort of, it, it's someone else to sort of throw the ball up, you know, with, and really helps when you sort of got an idea and go, is this a good idea? There's yeah. someone else there to go, yes, but not now. <laughs> Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't be silly. <laughs> yeah. So we've we've got a few things in place that we're we're trying to you know. So you um you, you mentioned a moment ago you're so you're in the process of moving to a different cuckoo brewing location. Are you in the in the short term to to give you a more sort of crafty kit to work with or? Yeah. So we've actually Rear was the first beer we did down at this other brewery. Oh, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence why we had the ability to can as well. Yes. Um, yep. So that was the first day release, our first sour. So it was a much craftier kit. Um, yep. Actually, it's a really quite a nice kit. There's a lot of opportunity with it uh, to do more things we haven't been able to do. Right. And one of the other things is now we started using contract packaging, okay. which was yep. a absolute headache. Mm-hmm. Sending beer off to someone else and trusting them. And we were getting massive losses um, from that. Nice. Whereas here, you know, we've actually been there today canning, again, uh, a new beer that's coming out. And it's just an ability to be there and seeing everything sort of happening. Yep. They've, they've got the tanks they can carbonate the beer in. Mm-hmm. You can keg, bottle, can directly from the tanks. It's all just a lot smoother. And it's not an hour drive away, which our current place is. Okay, even so, better. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So you're, you're going to be, you'd imagine you'll be there for a, a fair period of time do you think i mean obviously you know the, the medium term goal presumably is to get your own setup but you know it sounds as though the, the new location is going to at least be much more suited to your requirements and so um we'll, we'll yeah, keep, keep you going for a while yeah it, it with the sort of cost of everything going up and things we've got to be very careful with our cash flow and turnover and yep. so with the cooker brewing thing that you know it, it frees us up quite a bit because yes we have to pay extra to have a beer made which obviously puts more costs onto the beer we're not having to pay for kit repayments mm-hmm. so when 
we buy a kit, we'll have to probably do it by some sort of finance or loans, which we'll have to pay. And we also don't have to fork out any rent. No. Either they have, we go, we pay them a nominal fee, which is, you know, agreed. And then that's, that's it. And then we can sort of use the space as much or as little as we sort of need at the time. So that's one of the sort of the benefits of it. And then one of the biggest downfalls for us at the moment is we don't have a place where people can come drink our beer. No. Tap room. Mm-hmm. So interim, we're going to be stick at where we're cooker brewing now uh, or moving to anyway. We've been in the process of it all, um, you know, staying there six to 12 months maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that time, we're hoping to find a unit big enough for a brewery. Right. Set up a tap room. Nice. Yeah, have yeah, the tap room going, yeah, and then we can, as things sort of are progressing and everything's becoming more stable, we can then start focusing on the bigger bits of kits. Yeah, you like can sort of backfit the brewery more. into the into the tap room as as and when you know finances and market conditions make it uh, make it worth. Yeah. Oh, that's I love it. That's great. I mean, it, you know, it's the most people do it the other way around, of course, but um, but you know, I I think quite a lot of people would perhaps quite like to be in your position at this at this current stage because you know as you say that it avoids taking on those huge capital costs it allows you to get the retail footprint and the, you know start to build those really close customer connections which you know taproom allows you to do yeah fabulous and and sell your beer at, at you know hope i'm sure it's still a fair price but but at a fair profit as well which is is, is the name of the game isn't it and so you know you yeah. can uh, can't can't beat direct sales from a tap room um, in every in every aspect. Freshest beer, direct customer contact, maximize your profits. Everybody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always happy in a tap room anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, we we live uh, like you know no distance at all from uh, Horsford Brewery and yep. Amity. Oh yeah. Just mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And you know you talk to those guys and trade sales going all right. There's dips, troughs, peaks, when things are going really badly, you know, it only takes a couple of weeks of bad trade sales and you're really quite hard done by, you know, you sat there and scrabbling for any bits of cash to pay, you know, rent or, Absolutely. you know, yeah. fees. whereas when people have got a tap room, they're like, yeah, tap room's really keeping it all together and keeping it going. Yeah. It's just that extra revenue that's coming in to the brewery. And yeah, you probably do get some uh, quite, critical feedback from uh, people <laughs> direct <laughs> rather than through the grapevine of uh, Instagram or untapped. It's, well, uh, but people are always nicer face-to-face than they are on, on untapped. So, I mean, not that, I mean, by the way, people are pretty nice to you on untapped as well, judging by your, your brewery rating. I just checked this afternoon. So, you know, you're not playing games there either, are you, with the, with the no. way that people are <laughs> reacting to what you're doing so far. So congratulations for that. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm pretty, every, every time I look, we have the Imperial Stouts, which obviously keep your rating up, but it's yeah. not like we play it safe and just. No, you don't. You but you Imperial know you brew Stouts. some pretty pretty wacky styles at times that, that you know you would think would average that down, but it hasn't happened so far. <laughs> no, I mean you know our most rate beer is a bad, and you know we've got like nearly a thousand check-ins for that one beer. That's you know right. keeping things pretty rock solid. But then like even like wit beers and like Belgian styles, which don't rate very well, no, they they're still typically you know, no. floating in the. 3.7s and 3.8s for those kind of styles which you know is is really good for those styles especially no question where everyone's on sort of the um, people just don't appreciate them though for the most part no and everyone's you know wanting the next you know 
hazy pipe yeah. juice or yeah. the next the, the next, the next dip or the next big imp yeah those are those are what get you the, the big scores usually but yeah you know, great to see that that you know it's possible to brew beer styles slightly off the reservation and still still be highly rated yeah which are they're the styles i to brew anyway because <laughs> you know you know some of the places i worked it was uh, what we're brewing today oh it's, a, it's another ipa yeah <laughs> like pretty much every day what we're doing uh yes the same you know, so, you get to that scale of brewery, and that's what the market demands, I'm afraid, isn't it? But, uh, you know, yeah, just before we talk about this first beer, I realized that I didn't press you on your um early beer journey, which is which is sometimes interesting just to dig in. So, where did you, you know, you've been brewing for a few years now, but what was your, your beer journey prior to that? How did you get into beer, and, and what's your sort of early memories of craft beer? So, it started, I mean, my dad was a massive wine drinker mm-hmm. and lager drinker. So, okay. as, as he likes to call it, the chemical lager. Um, <laughs> so, I love that, actually. But, yeah, very, yeah. yeah, he was, he was always just, yeah, he, he just drank lager, but he wanted something that you would enjoy and, you yeah. know, like he went to the wine. And I think I start, I think they started feeding me, feeding sounds bad, about 13, 14. Yep. You know, oh, it's a weekend. That's the with your meal. There we go. Yeah, perfectly um, legitimate. Yeah, encouraged yeah. on the content. It's positively encouraged in the places like France, isn't it, to feed your young, yeah. uh, your young adults wine with their meals. So no, no harm in it at all. So yeah, so that's I started on the wine, and then I think I was about 16, 17, We were shopping, and I noticed next to the wine and the lager, and I was familiar with both of them. Yeah, uh, there was uh, something called ale, and I was like, "What's that?" <laughs> my parents were like well it's beer but not the beer we've given you do you want to try it and I was like yeah Why let's not? go for it so <laughs> and I drank them and I was really really blown away that beer could taste like that yep and not to say that it's amazing by today's standards but at that age I was like oh this is nice yeah, absolutely. Um, well, better than the chemical lagers, anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> Which is, yes, you know, would have been definitely. your sort of your your yardstick to measure them against at that point. Yeah, so there wasn't much competition. No, but um, I ended up going to university to do chemistry at the University of Hull. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now Hull was really interesting because there was a massive real ALC. So I right. was like, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Super happy with that. But the other thing there was was a massive Belgian beer scene. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So me and Jordan met at university. Yep. Um, and actually we went from Hull Docks to Belgium. Right. And a ferry from Hull over yeah, there. Yeah, of course. So and like, and that, of course. And that also explains why the Belgian scene is in Hull because of the, the easy access by ferry, of course. Yeah, I was try, trying trying yeah. to put it together. <laughs> so I mean, we did the weekend away, absolutely loved the Belgian beers. Yep. And that was kind of it was like, oh, this beer's even better than the beer that I was drinking and then slowly through my sort of university years yep. that sort of brew dog started to peak yeah and sort of they started getting their punk rpa back when it was six percent and good yep um <laughs> into uh <laughs> important qualification point there yeah <laughs> back in what 2012 i think yep. around then getting into sainsbury's and uh i found punk ipa and i was like oh ipa and Previous IPA to that was Green King IPA. Yep. So again, next step up on the IPA front, I was like, oh, this is really good. 
that's you know going back to those days of of drinking punk ipa out of the bottle in you know as you say what 2012 2013 it was so bitter as well wasn't it compared to anything else you were buying in the uk i mean it's sure if you you know if you were familiar with with american ipas at that stage maybe not so much but but you know compared to anything else coming out of the uk those that that was a wickedly bitter beer but so flavorsome as well and Brewdog still knew what hops were. Yes. Which was really nice. You know, <laughs> yeah, you crack lost... it open, you could smell the hops and taste them. Yeah. Um, now you can, yeah, you can just about taste the hops now, I think. <laughs> so, you know, and that, 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 that was it. It was just, from there, it was just, you know, uh, absolute. I started collecting beer labels as well to keep a track of all of the beers that I had. Nice. Um, you know, I started finding a drinker I liked, sort of the paler beers and the IP you know, in the IPAs and the Belgian Blondes, that kind of And then I think I started on the Belgian Quads, right. which were like sort of coppery, ambery, sort of stouts and the Imperial Stouts. Yeah. And it was just, you know, snowballed from there. In my first job, which was as a water analyst. Okay, yeah, yeah. As exciting as that is, I started homebrewing. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you might be disparaging about your, your chemistry and your water analytics, but that's, you know, so much of brewing depends on it, doesn't it? That, you know, those are great base skills and knowledge to have yeah it's definitely helped uh, uh quite a bit with what i do now and i do actually focus i do quite like focusing on water chemistry and beer and stuff it's more more exciting than the uh potable water which is the water that comes out your taps yeah uh, with not analyzing <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i started homebrewing and you know i just was creating actually quite a lot of my homebrews have made it up to the commercial scale nice yeah. When I was homebrewing, I never thought I'd get to actually recreate these beers, but we have, and it's been absolutely fantastic. We did a rye beer, German style right. rye. That was, again, a homebrew that I upscaled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, homebrewing, and then it was sort of getting to a point where I was like, you know what, I just really want to get into the brewery scene and mm. going off and applying for every single job in the brewery that I could find right. until one finally uh, gave me a shot. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this first beer. This is, and we are still not exactly sure how we should be pronouncing this, but we're going to go with Rear Rear, rear I think, are we? This is your strawberry lime and coconut sour, 6.3%. Um, and just brief tasting notes say a tropical-inspired sour, sweet, tart, bursting with fruit and coconut. Yeah, brilliant flavour combination. I, I, I wasn't expecting it to, I don't really know what I was expecting sort of reading the description, but this is really, really punchy. I love the way that the lime um, sort of interacts with with both the strawberry and the coconut, which is, you know, might seem like a stupid thing to say. There's only three three flavours in there. But, you know, I think the lime really punches through. So it genuinely is a sour, you know, because strawberry and coconut are obviously not really sour flavours. Um, but the lime, you know, really punches above its weight to, to, to keep keep it on the, on the sour track. Um, but the, the, those other two flavours in there are brilliant as well. I'm not a massive fan of coconut, actually. I've, I've been a bit anti-Sabro um, over the last couple of years, as it, you know, as it relates to, to pails and IPAs. And so um, coconut can work for me um, in a stout, but it really works nicely in this beer. Um, it doesn't overpower. It's just it's there contributing. So, yeah, this, this is a great flavour combination. And, you know, considering it's your first sour, it's pretty exciting, really, to, you know, to, to see what's next. Yeah, well, um, on about uh, not being a fan of Sabro, would you like to guess uh, what hops are used in this? <laughs> well, it probably is Sabro. <laughs> is it, yeah, is it, we, um, I guess there's coconut in there as well, is there, other than just, was it just from the Sabro? Or? 
Uh, no, there's coconut in there as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We try and up the coconut, not just with coconut, but with a bit of hop flavour as well. It's not yeah. dry hopped. Uh, the hops went in the whirlpool. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So we didn't uh, didn't go nuts with the coconut or the sapphire. Right. But we wanted... The biggest thing, actually, in the beer was the strawberry. I think there was 240 kilos okay. mm-hmm. in there. And to put that in comparison, there was... 20 kilos of lime wow <laughs> i've heard it said that strawberries are difficult flavor to properly represent in the beer i don't know whether you, you, you found that to be challenging did you it's uh i mean yeah. obviously it sounds like by the amount you put in here it was you know obviously you, presumably that was multiple additions because it wasn't quite getting to the level that you wanted it to in the first uh the first time so, <laughs> well I'd, i bought 140 kilos and then just chatting with some people other breweries who much more well-known for fruited beers than we are yeah it, it became apparent that maybe i needed more yeah. <laughs> so actually i i uh, hedged on the side of caution bought an extra 100 kilos of strawberry nice. and uh, just straight off the bat we're like right all of it yeah <laughs> so the only way yeah. to go and yeah and actually i bought 60 kilos of lime as well mm. um so we still have 40 kilos so you're, you're well set for margaritas in. this summer then, by the sounds of it, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're planning on maybe another sour using the lime. Sure, why um, not? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a lovely flavour, lime. Yeah, Yeah. so we're, we're planning on that and yeah. uh, maybe doing more of a limey-focused sour. So maybe Yeah, it's got to be, with some salt yeah. in it, probably a nice ghost. Uh, yeah, d- d- beautiful flavours. Yeah, but, yeah uh, so just using the rest of that lime. Great. Um, and yeah, and then we, we actually... Um, because we used lime juice, hmm. we um, went to New Brewery and we got a small cup of the lime and with a pipette, we took a litre of beer out of a tank and we're slowly dosing it in. Right, yeah, just to try and get the... the trying it. Yeah. yeah, trying it and going, is the lime overpowering everything now? And we found that when we dosed up to the point of where we'd tip a full 20-kilo bag into the tank it was tasting pretty much uh spot on nothing was massively overpowered and nothing right. was the line was too punchy but then it wasn't but then it wasn't overshadowing everything else but it was still there that was the big tricky bit with this beer was trying to make sure that all three flavors were there but no yeah. none were like falling into the background or overshadowing or they just didn't meld properly right but uh it's not just soured with the lime it's actually a kettle sour as well okay yep. so mm-hmm. we so it was mashed in Put into yeah. kettle, raised up to ninety degrees, temperature yeah. reduced, and then bacteria added. Nice, mm-hmm. soured, and then yeah. Um, this one we did add because we wanted to be sweet as well. So it's got some lactose in there to keep the right. sort of body up and the sweetness up as well. Yeah, we don't. We try try not to use lactose too often. Uh, there's a couple of beers that we do which have it in. Uh, this being one of them. Yeah, um, but we, you know, things like a Baden or other ones, they actually don't have lactose in, despite how heavy they feel okay. um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're not uh we don't use it in those uh, nice. I, I, thing. If, if i'm calling it an imperial stout i don't want to put lactose in and if no. i'm doing something which i'm calling a pastry stout then i will put lactose well, in. i think that's fair yeah i think you you know you're being pretty upfront with the with the description then aren't you people are expecting the lactose with the pastry but uh yeah, yeah, good. No, I, I think this has worked out brilliantly, Jack. Um, you know, it's my, de- definitely a, a lovely, lovely summer beer. I'm sure it's, you know, if it hasn't sold out yet, it will do pretty quickly. I don't think this is going to hang around, to be honest with you. It's, uh, this, is, this is working really well for me. Um, let's take a short break. 
This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with Jack from Tartarus Beers for the second half of the show. Jack, at this stage, every week, I ask the guests to tell me what makes them different. What is it you're doing to stand out in the pretty crowded Leeds craft beer scene or Yorkshire craft beer scene? Yeah, I think uh, stupidity. Um, <laughs> good answer yeah um you know people are yeah everyone's doing sort of a haze and stuff which i get it's the biggest seller at the moment mm-hmm. every pub every bar every bottle shop wants is but there is this you know sort of market for the stupid stuff yeah and i think that's kind of where we sort of slotted in we do have a <laughs> couple of plans to do um some more normal ish things just because it is a difficult time at the moment, we need to do something a bit more mainstream yep. to get a bit more flow, and then we can carry on doing what we do. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't think any brewery has probably knocked out quite as many high-strength beers as we have. <laughs> um, there's, there's generally a reason for that. There is a very limited market for people who want as many high-strength beers as we yep. put out. But that's sort of, it and you know we really want to just focus in on some of these sort of undersung styles as well you know there are the belgian blondes the whip beers a whole host of these belgian brew uh beers which just people don't really do right what's actually really nice with a lot of the collabs we've been doing recently is people are starting to either we do a big imperial stout or we do something belgian okay yeah which is really nice because i think it's um trying to some of these more well-known breweries doing a Belgian style. It's sort of, I think it's sort of prompting people to go, it's not a style I normally go for, but you know, it's these guys. Yeah. So. With that, you know, their name on the label, I'll give it a try. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what you're hoping for, isn't it really with, you know, you, it, craft beer has become very homogenized and look, I'm as guilty as anybody of, of being the new England IPA cheerleader. And oh, it's all about the double IPAs, you know, and really no, you know, craft beer is, it's so much more than that, isn't it? And, you know, it's easy to, for people to get, you know, very, very blinkered with with the styles they're choosing. And, yeah, anything we can do to try and broaden that is not just in the interests of the industry, but it's in it's in the interests of the beer drinkers, I think, because it's, you know, people should be experiencing these breadths of, of flavours and digging into some of the history of it as well. You know, there's, there's some amazing styles of beer that are not widely available today that probably still should be. And, uh, you know, let's, let's make that happen. Well, that, that's it. I think with the way we're brewing and what we're brewing and the fact that we don't actually have a plan to go 100% into can. We are mm-hmm. going to still do the bottles. We're going to yep. split the production. We're almost almost going backwards, which sounds really weird. <laughs> but back when I first started getting into craft beer, uh, cloud water in bottle. Yeah, of course. Um, they were yeah. producing, the, you know, they were producing like sour smoked wheat beers and these really bizarre things. They were doing, um, you know, pails, but they breaded them. You know, these really bizarre styles and people were throwing out saisons and everyone was going yes saison you know it was everyone's going little for them whip beers were they're around and they were you know doing the rounds and everyone's really enjoying them and yep. then suddenly it was you know ipa was always the best seller 
You know, yeah. There was no question about it. The West Coast IPAs, West Coast Tippers, which I absolutely love. Yeah. I like Haze, but I've got the option. A proper West Coast IPA is my sort of go-to. Right. So we're kind of almost going backwards in the way we're sort of doing things where we're not focusing on the new styles, the new world stuff. Right. We're kind of trying to go back to that sort of craft beer roots, which I fell in love with. Yeah. It's kind of sort of fallen off the wayside. You know, people, we found it, we, we did a Saison, and it's quite a hard push to get people Yeah, to take. I've heard it said, yeah. That's a shame, isn't um, it? Back 2015, you did a Saison. Yeah. It probably wouldn't have been a hard sell. People no. would have gone absolutely mental. And so I think that's kind of, we need to sort of bring maybe a little bit of that balance back of there are more styles than just almost what we're given. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, there's a couple of places close to me, some of the bars and stuff, which are very almost guilty for it, where you look at the board and it's, you know, hazy pale, hazy pale, hazy Absolutely. IPA, hazy, yeah. hazy yeah. Dipper, And then if you're lucky, a sour and maybe a stout. Yep. You know, it's, it's quite difficult to find different things now. Um, which we, we're trying to push <laughs> we, yeah. you know, as, as best as we can. But you at know, the same time, is... you're running a business, aren't you? So it's a tricky, you know, you, yes. can get, you, know, you, you, you can't become too evangelical about this because you'd be spiting yourself if you're brewing, a, you know, if you're stacking up beers that you can't sell just to try and prove a point, then that isn't really achieving anything either, is it? But... No, it's not. You know, we're the Imperial Stouts sell well, but they always hang around a while. Yeah. Um, you know, we've still got stock of car on Slendon, um, around the Belgians. Some of the weaker ones have actually sold really well in keg, but we've still got bottles and stuff that are hanging around. Luckily, most of our stuff's pretty strong, so it lasts a long time. Yes, that's the secret. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Brew really, really strong stuff, and it doesn't really matter how long you have it. No, it's right. If it takes um, a year or two to sell, it will still be it will be all the better for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. We, we do have a plan just to sort of open up the market a bit more for us, I think, which is to do a a hazy pale, a hazy IPA. Yeah. Maybe some of the people who have been a bit reluctant to maybe buy our stuff, um, yep. whether it's due to cost or style or whatever it is, they see it, try it, and if hopefully if it's good, yeah, <laughs> then that'll bring they'll go, oh well, those were good. They do do the other crazy stuff as well. Makes sense. Maybe yeah. we can bring that in, you know, try and get people. We did that with the sour. We had a few new people take the sour and stuff. Yeah. Um, all the kegs gone. Of that. Right. Brilliant. Um, Actually, we needed way more kegs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Especially this time of year as well. Still, you know, it's, uh... Yeah. I mean, we, we've we always been more small pack. So mm-hmm. when we were transitioning, and obviously things have moved more like large pack rather than small pack, we're still sort of trying to catch up with ourselves on that. Yeah. So we still have quite a lot of cans of the sour. Um, right. But it is going, which is great. Yeah. Just trying to find more new places that you know of like yeah that sounds really good mm-hmm. i think you know that's that's it we just do big crazy stupid things and obviously the artwork is this is brilliant I, I mean i, I so i i know you, you sent me some other bottles and i only very because i i was in a mad rush this afternoon and i only arrived a couple of hours ago as we were saying so i haven't had a chance to properly appreciate the artwork on the other bottles but this this one in particular is terrific yeah it's a it's a very uh, it's a, a sinister looking kind of uh, alien going on there with a lovely you know they love the red background with the, with the triangles as well it's you know, some really nice uh, nice piece artist of art. is absolutely sam farrow he's absolutely fantastic he actually streams every now and then live on twitch okay nice. and he will stream some of these artworks and you're going to watch 
actually the first ever artworks we had done, which was a Saison, uh, Baku, Abaddon, the Imperial Stout that we're mm-hmm. most known for, and Elf, which was a Black Pepper Belgian triple. Right. <laughs> you can actually watch all of them go from concept sketches to the finished artwork. Oh, wow. Fabulous. So that's fantastic. Um, and obviously the other thing is we do give a little bit of bump about what the beer is and the creature on the bottle as well, because we're nice. massive on our mythology. Yeah. <laughs> which is the other, our other sort of uh, unique selling point is everything is named after you know mythical creatures and gods or folklore, that kind of right. thing. Which Nice to tie in a bit of a backstory to it, yeah. Yeah, which I used to do classics at school. Um, so I got oh, okay. massive into ancient history and stuff. And actually, it was a toss-up between chemistry and classics at university. And uh, my chemistry teacher went, well, do you want to sit behind a desk, desk or do you want to blow things up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another way I could have phrased it was, do you want to have some chance of making some money or not? It's, <laughs> maybe that's been terribly cynical, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I probably would have ended up either in a desk job or as a teacher or... So that, and if I think if we went down the classic streets, I, de- I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. No, so. you wouldn't. No, so it's uh, the classics loss is our gain, so it's all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm reviving got... some of that love with the uh, with the mythology. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, keep 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 the myth alive. Um, a slight sort of variation on this question, then, and, and I call this section asking for a friend because a friend did ask me to add this question. To my typical lineup of, of interrogation. So, you know, having told me what makes you different, um, can you tell me something you wish you'd done differently up until this point? Is there something that you wish you'd, you know, sort of said 18 months ago, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. If we, you know, I wish we'd have taken a different turn. And uh, Yeah, so it, we're currently in the process of looking at units. Yep. And that's the biggest thing. Whether we would have been in a position to move on any of them, uh, I don't know. Right. Um, I think... If I was going to do anything differently, there were some units that we saw and we right. didn't put any bids on or anything, okay. um, which we could have. Would we have had the turnover, you know, the cash flow to keep a hold of them? I don't know. But if we'd thought maybe a bit further ahead, we maybe now would be in a position where we'd have a storeroom, maybe a barrel store, a bit like Cloudwater did. And yeah. Tap room. And you'd already have your tap room on its feet. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's one of the biggest things because um, we, you know, me and Jordan, we, you know, we can uh, be sat on the couch watching TV and I'll just be on my phone scrolling for days on, you know, um, <laughs> these estate agents' websites. Look, and, you know, if we've been a little bit faster as well, maybe the price of these units wouldn't be so high because they're just right. constantly going up and up and up and up and up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the units we've been looking at, range between you know 60 to well 50 to about 70 thousand pounds a year which is a huge amount when you think monthly cost yeah so maybe if we move a little bit faster on one you know even late last year would it have been slightly cheaper hard to say yeah would it be in a slightly better area than the ones we're seeing now you know yeah i think that's the biggest thing um as i say hindsight's a (laughs) It's a fantastic yeah, thing. no, it's a tricky question to answer, and I don't, you know, don't want to take take the conversation in a negative direction at all, because I think well, you know you've you've got a lot to be proud of what you're doing and what you've done so far. So I think uh, I don't think you've made many bad decisions anyway. So uh, along the path to, to this point, um, no, some some might argue stupid decisions, um, <laughs> but when a stupid decision pays off, is it stupid anymore? <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's talk about this second beer, uh, Jack. It's warming up nicely in the glass now, so. Uh, I think I'm ready to, to talk about it. This is Slender Man. 
You did refer to it a little earlier. Um, this is 11% cookies and cream imperial stout. This is, as you say, one of one of a few dessert stouts that you've, you've brewed, um, but still got a lovely, you know, it, this is not, this is not sweet and sickly by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's got a, a nice, I think, a, it's got a, like a licorice undertone, which is, that pleases me in an Imperial Stout straight off the bat. The sweet flavours are there, um, but not not in any way turning this into anything sickly at all. You know, I can, you know, sometimes you have an, a dessert stout and you can barely drink a third of it because it's so sweet that, you know, you appreciate the flavours and you can appreciate the, the, you know, sort of the feat of brewing that it represents but it isn't actually necessarily a very pleasing drink to drink, which is, you know, perhaps <laughs> an important aspect of a beer. This one is going down nicely. Um, you know, it's a sipper. Um, it's got some punch to it at, at 11%, but, you know, not lovely flavours, beautiful, viscous sort of, you know, sump oil consistency going on with it. And, you know, it's it's no surprise to me that, you know, these are the beers which people are, are losing their minds over from Tartarus. You know, the, 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 you've definitely got a, uh, a knack with with this type of beer what's the what's the background to this one so actually this was jordan's idea mm-hmm. um we quite often sit down talk about beers we want to do flavors we want to try um those kind of things uh we were dead set on doing because jordan really wanted to do an oreo stout okay yeah yeah hence the cookies and cream yeah is uh the classic flavors of the oreo yeah um, as close as you want to get to actually mentioning the uh, the biscuit without running into trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that that was it we were just like do we want to cease and desist or um no let, let your friends at s43 uh, tell you the stories of how that works out <laughs> well i mean i've obviously worked at brew york and uh yeah they, they sell quite close they, to the wind at times as well don't they? <laughs> yeah um that i think it was one point lee came down and said to me um yeah we're thinking of trying to paper the office with the cease and desists we have um <laughs> So, Love it. you know, but uh, with Slenderman, we decided that we would just call it cookies and cream because yep. we didn't want to risk it. <laughs> no, very wise, I think. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's... So, yeah, and um, decided on the flavors, and then it was uh, sort of down to the design of the beer. And I pretty much brewed it like I brew all my stouts. Yep. Um, pretty much classic Russian imperial. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's it's one of my favourite styles, Russian mm-hmm. beer, straight up. So this one, hence why there's those sort of licorice characters. There's that yeah. little bit of bitterness in there because it is 50 IBUs. Right. Yeah. Um, sort of took the IBUs up to balance out the sweetness because that's one of the things I really don't like is when you're drinking something and it's just you know your teeth hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was just you know um, that that's it. I just wanted that sort of balance there, and then it was uh, a case of vanilla and chocolate and getting those flavors in there because yep. that's obviously the cookies yeah. and cream sure. uh, the lactose obviously having that sort of creamy bottom and vanilla giving it flavor and chocolate being there as well yeah with all of our beers it kind of it's always beer first with me i don't focus too much on the flavors i think quite a lot of people get really hung up on it and they'll quite often brew a base beer that's a bit meh you know it it does the job, it holds the flavours and then it right. just throws so much at it that then right. you go, oh, that tastes exactly like the thing. Yeah. Uh, and the base beer is actually, if you stripped all those flavours away, all the, you know, the additives or whether they've used fresh fruits or, you know, the cacao nibs, whatever, you took all that out, the beer would be 
probably fall a bit flat. We always a very try interesting make... perspective, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's 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 a good point. And yeah, it, it should be first and foremost should be a great beer. Um, and then you know if it's a great beer that also has some interesting flavours, then then so much the better. Yeah. So we always try and brew a beer that on its own would be a great beer. Yep. And then we look at the flavours from that point. Once we're happy with the beer, mm. quite often I try and get flavours into the beer before we've even added anything to it. So with Slenderman, it was very much, well, it's cookies and cream, chocolate, mm-hmm. vanilla. So it was, what we're going to use? Loads and loads of chocolate malt. Yeah, some of that you can accomplish with the malt, yeah, before you start adding uh, adding additives, yeah, sure. And then, you know, it's like, well, is, is it biscuity? So, well, what malts give that kind of character? And mm. do you get any sort of, you know, caramel notes from cookies and cream? Or we actually, you know, product research had to, taste the biscuits um, <laughs> yeah. well it you know it's, it's those kind of things you know start with the beer work with a base that you said there are these notes in the beer yeah would people go yes there are at yep. which point you're right we've got the base sorted and just because i don't do anything by half there's simcoe in here <laughs> as well um just as an aroma um addition so yeah back under the back end of the boil just some simcoe in there just to add some other flavors you know people just a bit more complexity to it yeah i wouldn't sort of, I, I doubt anybody would have picked that as an ingredient without look, reading the label but <laughs> well i mean i don't even think we've mentioned it on here it just is in there um okay. <laughs> one, of those, one of those things it was yeah people when brewing stouts to kind of just focus on the malt side of things and mm-hmm. they'll use some bittering hops to get the ibus in and then yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. Whereas I think, well, if I did add hops, not in a quantity, you know, to an IPA level or whatever, how's it going to affect the beer? Yeah. So I quite often like a lot of English hops. Uh, right. Cross is one of them. Yeah. Esther, yeah. Olicana. Yeah. It gives them the dark berry flavors. And then right. sometimes I'll go to the new wave American hops. So this one's Simcoe, but, you know, I've done stuff with Mosaic before mm-hmm. um, because those in dark beers can often give, again, sort of those berry characteristics yep. when they, those sort of, you know, the hop oil stuff react, you know, combined with all the malts and stuff, you get those sort of more complex flavours. Um, so I'm not too shy at uh, <laughs> just going, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it wasn't even like we just had Simcoe in. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was just using something off in the stout. I actually bought the Simcoe in especially to do the big <laughs> With. it wasn't even the stock yeah. offering we were like i'm gonna buy the sim go in you know it was very thought out and planned yeah, like, nice. it's, yeah. it's, 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 get it in so um brewing at the new site are you going to continue to package your imperial stouts into 330 glass or are you going to you're going to be tempted to, to put some into 440 um more tempted to keep putting them into the bottles good um, answer I, I totally agree with that you know i think um nothing wrong with you know obviously the world wants beer in 440 these days it's a you know it's almost like it's a it's an you know an argument which has been won and lost isn't it but you know there are styles of beer and this is one of them that i don't think i really want 440 mils of um if i'm going to be drinking it at home on a tuesday night you know so i I appreciate the opportunity to to buy 330 um of this and yeah it's it's the right size for me really the other thing is is that i mean we could put it in a the argument is well put it in 330 can yeah and I just don't think beer ages in can. I've had beers from, you know, I used, you know, going back to where I used to work, I try not to uh, bang on it about it too much because I like 
my beer to speak for itself. You know, it's not. Yeah, one no, answered. Yeah. You know, but when I want to go into bottle shops and stuff, and I'm trying to, you know, say, hey, look, there's some beer to try. Let yeah. me know what you think. It's not in my sort of sales pitch or anything to go. By the way, I used to work as, um, oh. but you know, I, I've got beers from Northern Monk um, yeah. from my brewing days that I've had in can three, four years now. Mm. And, you know, it's death. So it's, you know, the Imperial Stout. Yeah. You know, really good beer fresh. So nice, you know. But I popped open a can and just just something not, it just didn't taste a lot no, after four no. years in can. Yeah. But yeah, I've had beer in bottle that's five, six, seven years old. Sure, yeah. That's tasting fantastic. So, you know, that I, th- I think beer, if you're going to sell it, you're going to keep it, you're going to put it away. Yeah. bottle is the way forward for that yeah um so going forward that's basically what we're going to do is nice. celebrate yeah. the imperial stouts uh even potentially barley wines barrel yep. stuff even the belgian things and some german styles that we'll keep in bottle any, any anything that people might want to, to to buy you know a couple for for laying down for future years yeah then then by all means i think that, that, that makes good sense jack um Beer never lasts long enough in my uh, in my stock to to find out how well it ages. You can, I'm afraid. <laughs> one of these well, days, it might do. <laughs> I mean, it's a difficult one. I mean, I'm I'm a horror for aging beer. Actually, I've got a, a cupboard full of beers. I've got one from uh, 2012 that uh, I should just open and drink. But I promised a mate that we would share it, and um, we, you know, three years later, still haven't managed to organise a time for a bottle share. Right. So it's still yep. there. Uh, back when uh, Courage uh, re-released the um, Russian Imperial Stout, the original recipe one, the little two seven five bottles. Right. They released it in Tesco's. I bought a bottle, drank it fresh. It's great. My parents actually that year had also bought me a bottle of it. I've still got it nice. from I think it's 2013. They re-released yep. it, and it says on the bottle, "Drink fresh or aged for up to 13 years." <laughs> so I've only got. Uh, I think it was 2026 20, I was planning on opening it so we've yep. got four more years nice <laughs> um, but that you know that that's a that you know that's a rare occurrence I don't age things quite that long normally but no that's one I do because I've had it fresh and I want to see what it's like sort of right at the end of when they say it's yep. supposed to be good um, yeah. whether it will be or not Although whether you've got any, you know, sort of frame of reference to remember what it was like 13 years prior, I, you know, I, I'm always a bit sceptical about whether people can, you know, I, I don't remember what a beer tastes like this time last week, to be honest with you, you know, unless I actually sort of yeah. look at my tasting notes on Untapped and then that sort of, tri- you know, might trigger the memory a little bit. But <laughs> Yeah, I was at uni at the time. Hmm. so It's um, all a bit of a daze, I'm sure, yeah. A hazy yeah, daze. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, th- I think note chocolate may have been there, but you know, who knows? <laughs> but it's still a nice project, and I think yeah, you'll have you'll have fun when you do finally get around to opening that. I'm quite sure. Um, let's move on to talk about um, what's going on for you over the summer. So, have you got um, any festival commitments or tap takeovers, meet the brewer type things that you can uh, publicise? Yes, yeah, so a um, couple of beer festivals. We are actually doing Amity's second birthday. Oh, nice. Okay, uh, great. Just up the road from us. Which Very is... handy. You can walk there, I guess, can you? As long as you've delivered the beer the day before. Or <laughs> yeah, I think I think the plan is um, whenever they allow us to set up, we'll set up and yep. ditch the van somewhere. Perfect. Walk back and then see if we remember how we got home. 
um, I think is the plan for that one. Uh, Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. We have been invited to pour at uh, Leeds International. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're going to be in Coven area, being uh, run by uh, Pip, who works and does a promotion for women in beer. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so us being 50% female owned, we got an invite to. Of course, yeah, yeah, nice. Go in there. That's good. Pour there, and... Uh, we're supposed to be pouring out uh, Riverside in a couple of oh, weeks. Oh, brilliant. Well. Two weeks' time. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, for even yeah. the numbers one. Which awesome. Very excited about. That um, was a fabulous team. festival last year, really. It's a wonderful location. So, yeah, if you, if you haven't been there yet, you're in for a treat. Well, yeah, we're, we're very excited. We've, we've got the hotel books and everything. We're, uh, we're coming down and we're going to, well, whether we sell out or not, we're, we're probably going to have fun. <laughs> You will have fun, I guarantee it. It's a great, great location. It's an awesome brewery lineup. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. It's going to be that. That'll be one of the highlights of the of the festival season for me, anyway. Yeah, well, we're we're excited about that. And uh, then a, another small beer festival in Didsbury, just uh, okay. Manchester Wales. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. Uh, I think uh, Track Squawk and a couple of the Manchester breweries go in there, and then we happen to be brewing over near Manchester at the moment, and hopefully right. getting bringing them back to Leeds but going over there so we're going and doing that as well very good um, I think that's probably about it I'll at some point be posting up about everything on uh, social media nice so it's nice to get out and you know this is this is the time of year when you can really you know sort of get out there and meet your industry friends and colleagues and you know and actually you know start to to really get the message out to new customers as well so yeah it's a great time of year isn't it yeah it's dangerous meeting your industry friends well I suppose because, so. uh, <laughs> You're at a beer festival. Do you want a beer? Yeah. Do you want a beer? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's dangerous when it's when they're asking you and they're all twelve percent imperial stouts. And <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, I think we might have to calm a couple of our uh, lines down to a more sessionable level. But um, there was a beer festival we did recently, uh, run by Crafty Dog. Yeah. In Ilkley, really nice. Uh, quite a small new festival. By the end of Sunday, everyone had kept asking pretty much just all the Imperial Stouts we said we were going to bring. <laughs> so we basically took off every single sessionable thing and just had like three lines of Imperial Stout going from lemons. It's just, yeah, carnage. It was like, oh, you don't have that Imperial Stout and that's the one I want. It's okay. All right. And then sort of like three hours till the end of the session, you're just like, like three hours left. Let's just shove every imperial stout on. Might as well don't, <laughs> we don't we take a moment again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, the imperial stouts are on. Just, yeah, there you go. Is your imperial stout? What could possibly go wrong? That's right. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but unfortunately, I was driving that night. Um, but oh, uh, so I couldn't, couldn't have taken the imperial stout madness. But Never mind. Um <laughs> Where's the best place for people to get their hands on some Tartarus beers? Um, depends where you are. If yep. you're sort of further down south, Hoppy Place. Right. quite a lot of our stuff. Yeah, I love Hoppy Place. Um, yep. Pretty much every every new thing it will get in at some point. Um, it just won a, I saw, a, I think it's on today on Instagram, just won the, I'm not sure if it's the Windsor Pub of the Year or some some. Thames Valley thing anyway yeah. but yeah they, they've just been awarded again so thoroughly deserved great great setup again yeah I mean thoroughly deserved if they, they keep winning it for a reason 
but we actually did our first birthday down there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Which was, which is great. We, uh, yeah, I think I remember most of it. Um, and they've just but, got the keys to a Maidenhead uh, shop front as well, haven't they? Where they're putting in yes. their, their, you know, bar number two. So I can't wait to see that. That'll be very exciting room. for them. Um, when we're, if we're down in the area, I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely pop in. If you're sort of more further north, Leeds area, mm-hmm. you know, you've got uh, the Rainville. Yep. Again, pretty much stocks everything we take in. You know, we've, we've got bottle shops and bars almost pretty much across the UK. So if you're a bottle shop that, that's interested in stocking Tartarus, then they should reach out to you by email or, or Instagram? or Yeah. So email, Instagram. Uh, we have Twitter, Facebook mm-hmm. as well, which we keep on top of. And also yep. there is a new customer form on our website as well. Oh, great. Go, okay. Yeah, there's, I think there's a trade section on there Perfect. you can click on. It's a few details, just yeah. you know, phone number, email address, that kind of thing. You fill out a message and shoot it across to us. Um, but yeah, we're pretty, there's only two of us, so we're very flexible in how we work. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we've had people come through the website for orders. We've had people come through email, Instagram, mm-hmm. through Facebook. So yeah. Nice. Any of those. Let's get into the home straight then, Jack, and start out with what I call the shout out to the little guy. And here I'd like you to name one or more local to Horsforth beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. And that can be a tap room, a pub, a bottle shop, a, a restaurant or a cafe, but somebody that's doing a great job you know, promoting independent craft beer, not just Tartarus, but the, the other amazing choices that are in your area. Um, yeah, so... If you come into Horsforth or even in the Leeds area, Hop Shack, walk to it from my house. Uh, great little place, independent, does all the craft beer, generally a good tap lineup. Uh, nice. IPAs, pails, all the stuff that we, you know, can, and generally a little bit more sessionable so you can stay there a while, yeah. <laughs> um, which is always nice. Yep. Sit and have a few pints. Another place, just because they are a local brewery, but also a brew pub, and they are um, pushing for more of a sort of, a, you know, independent craft beer and brewing sort of collective in the area, is Amity just up the road in Barnsley. Right. Yeah, yeah. They've got mm-hmm. a brew pub. They do have guest beers on every now and then. They've got a fridge as well with a selection of things. And yeah, they do a lot of collabs and they do try and sort of promote the smaller people in the area. Um, nice. Sort of yeah. Brilliant. Um, so. I think those those two close to me yeah. are sort of the places that me and John are doing generally a good thing in the industry. Perfect. Well, I mean, you're just in an amazing part of the world for beer anyway there, aren't you? So, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's, uh, an embarrassment of riches. Excellent. Well, yeah, there's a lot to choose from. <laughs> Let's get into the wrap-up question then, Jack. And this is, what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And most importantly, what specific beer would you be drinking? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So I would probably be in Belgium. Yep. Definitely. Um, one of my favorite places uh, with Jordan, my yep. partner and business partner. Mm-hmm. Luckily, she loves Belgium as well. So she's not there against her will. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all very happy in Belgium. I think just, you know, a couple of uh, sort of brewery friends there as well. Um, yep. It'd be great to see the guys from Merakai and yeah. uh, even the 
lads from Salt, Colin and that kind of that would be amazing. And uh, yeah, would probably be in Bruges. Yep. At the uh, Straff Hendrick or the Halfman okay. tap yep. room. Mm-hmm. And I would be drinking uh, Straff Hendrick quad. Excellent. That's a very nice specific answer. You wouldn't, you'd be amazed how many times I really have to work hard to get people to give me a straight answer to that question at this this stage of the conversation but no that that, that was uh, I can't pick any faults with that um you know you've obviously uh, you, you've thought it through and uh, yeah those that, that's a good combination of answers I would uh, I could just picture myself there this evening it's a lovely sunny evening here as well now so that would be uh, be a nice uh, a nice place to be right now I, I need to get back to Belgium soon well <laughs> I mean the good thing is they do really good food too so uh, right. I'd, uh, I'd be well fed well look Bel- belgian and I, I get obviously get in trouble for saying this but I, you know as far as i'm concerned belgium is serves french food properly cooked in reasonable portions whereas you know you go to france and most of it isn't cooked properly and it's not served in proper portions so you know i think belgium is everything that's good about french food only it fixes the two things that make me cross about french food so um, anyway but you know, enough of that before I lose it. You know, I've only got three people to listen to this. And I probably just lost two of them with that outrage. So <laughs> <laughs> never mind. But look, it's been an absolute pleasure, Jack. Um, I love your beers. You definitely can't be accused of taking things easy at all. You know, you, everything you do, you know, is is outrageous for the most part. And, you know, I applaud that. <laughs> looking forward to, um, to, to watching your success over the next few years and, and in particular looking forward to seeing you in a fortnight's time at, um, at Bruber Numbers because uh, I can't wait to see what you're going to be pouring and uh, it will be fun to have a chat in person there. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I mean, we will keep doing what we're doing and hopefully if we get our tap room open, yeah. um, it hopefully won't be as dangerous as everyone's been telling us it will be. But uh, depending on how many taps we have, you know, if we had 17 taps, we could have a beer going up from 1% all the way up to 17 yeah. on each tap. So That's a nice project. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> yeah. Or alternatively, we could just have 17 taps. In just turn everything taps. up to 11, um, that's right. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> just, final just, tap style. <laughs> yeah, quads, Belgian uh, triples, you know, and then uh, just double box. And You might have to invent a new serving size one. that's smaller than a third, though, in order to... <laughs> keep people around for more than about half an hour but uh, anyway nice problem to have we'll work it out (laughs) excellent jack been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for your time and uh we will speak soon thank you for having me